So here we are, 24 hours into our retreat. So congratulations, you made it through the first 24 hours. Uh, just reflect for a moment on the amount of attention that you had to pay in these 24 hours. Reflect on the amount of effort that you made in these 24 hours and appreciate that in yourself. It is not easy to do this practice. For some of you, it may have been a really uh, sweet day, but still it had its fatiguing aspect. For others, it may have been an extremely difficult day, and many of you are probably somewhere in between. When you reflect that way, it's enough to take a pause and then take a breath. <laughs> in fact, not just to take one breath, but to remind you, as Eugene did last night, that we want to encourage you during the Dharma talks to uh, stay home, to stay with the internal experience as the preponderance. So 60% of your attention on the breath and 40% on hearing. You do not have to give all your attention to hearing. You can stay embodied and receive. In fact, in some ways, it is a more acute way of hearing. Not if your mind's wandering off other places, but staying in this breath, this body as you hear, breathing with these words, breathing with these words. Tonight, I'd like to continue the inquiry that Eugene began last night and Sally contributed to this morning in terms of exploring our understanding of concentration. And tonight I would like to explore three dimensions or aspects of concentration. The first one is to explore concentration as a function of mind. We'll see what that means, the function of mind. In this exploration, we will understand more about concentration and its relationship to mindfulness, how the two interrelate. And then secondly, to explore concentration as an essential and distinct part of the Dharma. I just want to touch on this tonight, to just introduce it, because we will have a series of talks around this aspect of concentration of samadhi, but to have you put it in this larger context of all three of these dimensions. And then the third dimension is to explore concentration as a felt experience in this very moment. The immediacy of knowing concentration. The non-conceptual experience of concentration. Here, now, immediate, needing no extra. It's like this. So we'll begin with this exploration of concentration as a function of the mind and return once again to the dictionary and our common views, our common way that we hold the understanding of concentration. And I'm going to be giving you a series of these definitions. The first of them is 
concentration as bringing to a common center. Con to concentrate is to bring to a common center. For our purposes, we can think of this common center as the knowing function. That we're concentrating, we're bringing, we're bringing to a center of knowing. And this is something that we'll get to much later in the retreat. But that there is this awareness, this knowing that occurs, that which knows. It's like this, very important in insight practice. Second def definition is directing the attention of the mental faculty to a single object. This is more of what we usually think of in terms of concentration, directing the attention of the mental faculty to a single object. Note two words here, directing and attention. These become very important words in the felt sense in how we actual practice. Understanding what attention is for us, how we relate to attention as a, as a, a faculty, a facility within us, and then understanding how to direct it. Very, very important in our concentration practice. Third definition, an increasing strength or purity. For our purposes, an increasing strength or purity of what? It would be a purity of attention, that the attention becomes more and more pure, more and more strong, meaning that there's less distraction, there's less resentment in the mind to where you're directing attention. So less, less distraction, your mind's not distracted by things, it's not resistant to things, and uh, it's not flickering. It's not, it's not, this attention's not wavering, it's not flickering, it's, it's solid, it's, it's got continuity to it. So this, in, in this increasing strength of attention uh, is uh, the way we become more concentrated in that way. Fourth definition, to render less dilutable. This, uh, when our, when our uh, concentration is diluted, it is, it is, it is not stable. And uh, we need a stable attention. We need to be able to concentrate our attention in order to deeply practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is called sati, S-A-T-I. And this, for sati, mindfulness to penetrate an object, for sati to really understand that you're clinging to something or to why you're clinging or to see that really there's aversion in your mind at this moment. It needs this undiluted uh, concentration so that it's really firmly there because there's a lot of mental reactivity going on when we're practicing mindfulness. And that concentration on the experience allows us to fully receive it and to really investigate it. And then insight, understanding arises. When the concentration is not diluted, there is contentment of mind. Some of you already know this because you're a very experienced group of practitioners. 
So some of you have already experienced this, know you've experienced it. Others have experienced it but not realized it. So you can be having a hindrance of mind, you can be having uh, some aversion or some restlessness of mind, but if you're really concentrated at a certain level, you don't really mind it. You don't mind it. Your mind can be very bored and you know that you're bored but you're so concentrated that you're sheltered from the disruptive aspect, aspects of, of that boredom, of that restlessness, of that aversion. It's very powerful, this concentration. Again, you have more experience with this than you know. Part of the way I'm doing this talk tonight is to familiarize you with what you already know so that you can recognize it as you have these experiences in the course of these days. Another definition is concentration as having a common center. A common center. The mind is just aware when there's a strong concentration of knowing. It's not colored by what's known. There's no sense of that. You're not distracted by what's known. We learn this in concentration practice and then we turn around and utilize it in mindfulness practice. And then the final definition is the one Eugene mentioned last night about both a center point, a central point, a center, and a circle. That there's, there's both aspects to this concentration. And we can see concentration as one-pointedness, the center of the circle, or we can see concentration as the whole circle. This is not theoretical. Uh, my teacher, the Venerable Ajahn Sumedho, refers to it as the one point that includes everything. That when the mindfulness is really strong, it is accompanied by a degree of strength of concentration such that in this, this mindfulness everything is known. It is one-pointed, but it's one-pointed to whatever you turn towards. There's a fullness of knowing. It is the one point that includes everything. Nothing distracts it. Nothing has to be excluded. The mindfulness is that rich because the concentration is so strong that every experience has this one-pointedness. Every experience, this, the interconnectedness of experience gets revealed in that way. Then we come to this question of concentration and mindfulness that uh, the yogi asked this morning about, well, what's the difference or in what way are they the same, concentration and mindfulness as practice and as experience? I'm going to be quoting from uh, this book, the Satipatthana Sutta, The Dreath Pact to Realization by Analayo. And I hold the view that he holds in terms of this. And again, amongst all of us and a lot of different teachers, you would have slightly different views of this. He says, concentration is the enhancement of the selective function by way of restricting breadth of attention. This gets a little fuzzy there, reading it that way. The, the selective function, that concentration has a selective functioning in the mind. 
And it does that selective functioning by narrowing your focus, by narrowing the breadth of your attention. Let's use this word attention. But it narrows attention. So in this retreat, almost all of you, there are a couple exceptions, but almost all of you are narrowing your attention repeatedly to the breath. Now all these other things come up and you return to this process this, this process, this functioning of the mind of narrowing to the breath. Does this make some sense to you? So you're restricting. Because lots of these things that come up are interesting. Or you really don't like them. And you could chew on not liking them a long time. But no, you're coming back. Starting over. You're restricting. This is the function in a development way of concentration. In its final maturation, it is that one point that includes everything so that it doesn't quite have the same function. But we're not at arahant levels yet, so we can, we can focus on our practice. So for practice purposes, this concentration has this, this restricting function. Sati, or mindfulness, is an enhancement of the reflective function, says Analayo. By expanding the breadth of attention, the breadth of attention. So with mindfulness, instead of narrowing, we're expanding. I would add expanding the breadth and the depth of attention. Depth of attention allows you to see the subtle things, to see the insights, to see anicca, to see dukkha, to see anatta. There's an interesting combination of concentration and mindfulness because it's the concentration that gives you the one-pointedness, that gives you this kind of um, triangular energy that can penetrate an object of experience. And it's very powerful in that way. So, in Analayo's uh, usage, he, there is still this attention. Both There's always a directing attention and concentration we are, we are directing attention by narrowing it. And in mindfulness, we're directing attention by expanding it. Thus the importance of you, moment to moment, in your practice throughout these days, knowing what you're doing. I'm directing attention. That's what I'm doing. This is how I'm practicing. That may seem like a tautology. But if you think back to your day, you can think of a lot of moments that you had no sense of what you were doing. <laughs> you know, you were just off in the swim of things. For me, I think of attention as having a spotlight quality. It's like a flashlight. It's shining. You know, and you can, sh- you can shine in close on something or you can have a wider beam. And, and, but it's the spotlight capacity, this attention. It's the spotlight capacity of mind in that way. And it's necessary for all cognizing, whether it's on a single object or uh, an open field of objects. It's necessary. And it can stay in place for a very, very short period of time or an incredibly long period of time. It can stay on one place. It's always directed attention either way. In mindfulness practice, the attention 
moves to the dominant experience. It moves to whatever is coming up. That's your mind just automatically goes there, or else you've selected something that you're going to that you're going to be aware of, pleasant or unpleasant, or Nietzsche things are changing. But but either way, it just it moves a lot. In concentration practice, we're keeping it on a single object. We're just holding it there. So here, we're just holding it on the breath. It's no big deal. We're just holding it on the breath. Oh, didn't hold it very long. Start again. Oh, not very long. Well, that's a long time. I'm really staying with the breath. I bet I'm pretty good at this. Oops, forgot I was with the breath. I started commenting on it. Start over. We're just doing this. It's so simple and yet so challenging to do this. Mindfulness helps us in doing our concentration practice because, first of all, we're mindful of what we're doing. Oh, we're staying on this one object called the breath. Mindfulness also has us notice, oh, it's not very skillful when I get uh, to complaining to myself about how this is going. Well, that's not very helpful. So that mindfulness... uh, notices things like that. It notices what's skillful and unskillful. It goes, oh, it really does help, like Sally suggested, you know, in the walking or how Eugene suggested this morning in the sitting. So like for in the sitting to really get comfortable, oh, that really does help me. Oh, that's mindful that notice that. And then you get comfortable because you knew to do it. And then you move towards this single object. Analayo says, the development of concentration promotes a shift from the common structure of experience as a subject-object duality towards an experience of unity. The very thing Eugene was saying last night. So with concentration, we're moving away from our usual way of functioning in the world. Because you use concentration all the time in the world, right? But it's a little different. Because there, there is a you that, that is trying to get something done. And that's your purpose. And you're not, you're not interested so much in this becoming one with. You could argue that a baseball player swinging or a golf or a, a tennis person is, is, is becoming one in that moment. Or you, certainly a, pian- a pianist and the piano, that they're becoming one with the music. But it's, it's still, it's got a function. It's going somewhere. This is not going anywhere. This is an end in itself. That just being one with the object is enough. Just being one with the breath. And there is a oneness to be known, to be felt. There is this movement from the duality to the unity. So, therefore, what are we doing? We're gathering our attention. The attention tends to move around in the, the, the untrained mind. It just moves around. So we're gathering it from all the places it wanders. We're gathering it. And once we've gathered it, we're unifying it. We're unifying it. We're, we're, we're making it a single thing. We're unifying it with the breath. You can think of it as resting on the breath, that it just rests there, like, like one hand could rest in the other. Or you can think of it as 
becoming intermingled with, so there is no distinction between the breath and the knowing of breath. Both ways are accurate uh, descriptions, capturing a little different flavor of it. So, in doing this, gathering and unifying, we're working in time. We're working in time. So we gather our attention and we unify it with the breath for two seconds. That was an act of concentration, those two seconds. So let's just do that right now for a moment. So just don't, don't change your seat. You don't have to do any of that. Just close your eyes for a moment and I'll, I'll, I'll do three seconds. We'll go for it. Start now. Really feel the breath. That was concentration. That much was concentration. It's important you know that that much was concentration. You want to reinforce the experience of concentration by recognizing it rather than notice all the times that you aren't concentrated as much as you would like. So yeah, this moment I'm concentrated. So it can be that short or it can go on for many minutes or hours or days. I'm not joking about that. I mean that literally. The concentration can be minutes, hours, days around a single object. Now, uh, I'll do that a little later. There's also an intensity in concentration. And this often throws us on a concentration retreat. We're getting more concentrated, but we don't recognize the concentration because it is being felt through intensity. So you are there and you are, you're, uh, you're with the breath and it's really intense on the breath. And uh, so there's really this kind of fullness of it. It's, just, it's, really, it's really strong. That you might recognize. But then suddenly you, you think about something that's upsetting to you and it's so intense how upsetting it is in that moment. Why is it so upsetting in that moment? Because you're concentrated. You've now shifted that intensity of your, of your attention to that which was upsetting you. And ordinarily it might not be that upsetting. Or maybe it was something a long time ago and you thought you were mostly finished with it. But now here it is front and center and it's so strong because you're concentrated. I would prefer that you notice your concentration, then get lost in your story about that thing that's upsetting. Because it's useful to recognize that, to start to get the feel for it in that way. When we are doing the concentration practice, we are repeatedly coming back to the object. So in our instance, the breath. We just repeatedly come back. This willingness to start over, the humility to start over, 
they are an important part of this. The one way to describe practice is the starting over. When we're there, we're not having to do anything. So we're not really doing practice. Practice is just happening in that way. But when we have to start over, there's, there's, more, there's more effort, there's, there's more directed attention involved. So in all of these ways, we've looked at concentration as, as a function of the mind. And we've seen that it's different but complements mindfulness. There's also concentration in the context of the Dharma. Concentration where the mind is, as it says in the Satipatthana Sutta, free from desire and discontent. That's great when we're concentrated that way, huh? Maybe some of you had a few minutes of that today. Free from desire and discontent. This concentration, this quality of mind, this state of mind, if you prefer, I like this quality of mind, this quality of mind, of, of it being concentrated, is, uh, is essential in the Dharma in many different ways. To just give you a few examples. In the Four Noble Truths, the last of the Four Noble Truths is the Noble Eightfold Path. Concentration is one of the eight factors, one of the eight parts of the Eightfold Path. This concentration, samadhi. All of the teachings are considered to be contained in the Four Noble Truths. It is all of the Dharma in many ways. Concentration is a key part of developing the insight to realize liberation. The the concentration of the Eightfold Path of the Four Noble Truths is not ordinary concentration in the sense of looking for advantage in the world. It is interrelated. It is in the context of all the other parts of the Eightfold Path. All of the sila or ethical parts of the Eightfold Path all of the wisdom factors of the Eightfold Path. We may or may not do a talk later on in the retreat about the Four Noble Truths in this way. I mention this tonight because we would not want to be developing concentration as simply a means to seek gain. If you're concentrated, if you know how to get concentrated, you are more powerful in the world. Period. You're more powerful. You can bring more to bear. That is not what we're teaching. It's it's a, it's a uh, layered. It's a it's a interwoven understanding of concentration. It is for liberation. It is for the highest good. So, for instance, in the the, the shadow side of concentration is that you can manipulate another with it. Or a more dramatic example would be. The samurai who learned to have such concentration, they were fierce fighters and incredible at killing. But when they lost their allegiance to something greater, they became ronin. And then they simply used that power indiscriminately in criminal ways, you know, to rob, to kill, 
whatever. That happens in our society all the time. People use their concentrated power to cause harm in the world. Our use, our development, our revealing the secrets of how to develop concentration is for the purpose of the end of suffering. Concentration is one of the seven factors of enlightenment and that will be discussed later in this retreat. So again, a central part. Concentration is one of the five spiritual faculties. All of jhana practice, all of these deep absorption practices are a concentration practice. In the Satipatthana Sutta, the Sutta on the Four Foundations of Mindfulness, it is one of these four qualities that one uh, develops in order to do all of the mindfulness practice. There's diligence, and there's clear seeing, and there's mindfulness, and then there's concentration. So it's so important. Therefore, you are developing this direct knowing of concentration. You're learning how to become more concentrated, but you're also developing your understanding of it, developing your wholesome relationship to it on this retreat. So this retreat serves you in many ways as you walk the path. If we don't have, um, if we don't get the chance to do uh, the, the Eightfold Path and the role of concentration in it, I describe that very much in Dancing with Life, this, the interrelation of concentration and all of these other factors. So, concentration is a function of mind, concentration in the context of the Dharma, and then concentration as a felt experience in the here and now, the immediacy of concentration, just as when I ask you to concentrate for three seconds, this immediate knowing of it. We develop it through this process of collecting and unifying, which you will hear us say over and over again, through this process of directing attention and directing attention so that it can all be in one place and then be unified. This becomes a very important in the development of these deep absorptions, this connecting and sustaining attention, the Vataka Vachara, that uh, you may hear about later in the retreat. One challenge that many people have is that when you come to do a practice of concentration, you come with a concept of what that's supposed to be like. And what you end up practicing is your conceptualization of concentration rather than making yourself available to the immediate experience of how much concentration there is in your mind, what it feels like, what's skillful in keeping it there, what got it there. Instead of just being with the immediate experience of it, you are, you are conceptualizing something, you're removing, you're up in the old coconut, and you're doing your idea of something. It's very hard to break this for all of us. And it, it, it can happen out of nowhere. The same thing happens with mindfulness. We can completely lose the actual felt sense of mindfulness and get into a big conceptualization of, that has nothing to do with, so therefore we, 
we, we can't find liberation from some difficult moment because we're not really being mindful of it, but we think we are. The same with concentration. We're working and working at concentration, but we're doing our idea. We're not just showing up and saying, oh, what's here? Okay, I'm just going to this moment of breath. I'm going to stay with this moment of breath. What's it like? That's doing the concentration. You're just seeing what it is. You, you have this, this clear intention of being with the breath. You know how to do there. You know how to do it You're through the collecting and unifying the mind. And that's your, that's your, that's your clear action. And your purpose is for this, to have this stay with, to have this unifying. So you keeping it that simple, keep it bare, rather than a whole, this, this big ideas about deep concentration or what you read in a book or what you felt on a retreat, you know, two years ago. No, just here, just now. The actual action of this is one of relaxed attention. The felt sense of directing attention is a relaxed attention rather than a tight attention. So there's no tension in a tension. So hold out your right hand. And now you're going to extend the, 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 the forefinger and the middle finger over and over again, but you're going to do it while keeping them tense. So try just extending and tightening them. What if you were having to do this all day long? Wouldn't your fingers get tired? Now relax for a moment. That's attention with tightness. Now just, again, hand up and just move your fingers up and down easily. That's relaxed attention. Which would go better for you? The felt sense is what tells you if, you've, if you're tight in your attention. You may be jerking your mind back to the breath, jerking attention back to the breath. You may be criticizing. You may be expecting to fail. You may be demanding that you stay. You may be resenting this. You may be resenting the restlessness or resenting that you didn't have time to shower before the, the guided meditation in the morning. All of that is creating this tension. When you see it, you don't go, oh, terrible, terrible. You go, oh, tension, and let loose of it. And just collect and unify around the breath. Just this inhale, this exhale, nothing added, nothing added. Just here, just now, here, now, this breath. So, we relax attention. Attention has a relaxed quality. That is, the, that, that is the quality we're cultivating and directing attention, this relaxed attention. And then when we connect to the breath, we soften into it rather than be hard. So again, uh, put your left hand up in front of you. Uh, put your right hand uh, over the left hand but hover it a little, a little closer not so that you're barely touching it. So you're not really resting on the your right hand on the left, but you're, you're occasionally touching, you're just barely touching. Do you feel how exhausting that would be to do for 45 minutes? That is not a softening into. Release. Back up. Put the hand out again. 
Now this time, you, you press your right hand very firmly into the left hand. Don't hurt your shoulder or any wrist or anything, because this is, you know, you are more concentrated. So press, 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 press some more, press, 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 press. Release. That's not relaxed attention. That is not softening into. That's that's hardening into. That's that's having some uh, uh, reactivity, either the hovering or the pushing. Is, is a reactivity to being with the breath. You're not being reactive to the breath as best you're able. Hand up last time. So start, hover for just a second. Now push for a second. Now just relax into it. Doesn't that feel harmonious? That graciousness that Eugene was describing this morning, relax. That is the sense of ease. There's a spaciousness when we have relaxed attention and we soften into. That softening into makes the breath more interesting also because it opens up, it's, it's penetrating. We soften by penetrating. In cranial sacral body work and many other kinds of body work, you can, uh, you can hold someone's ankles and find their shoulder experience. And the person the person who's experiencing this can go, oh my goodness, you're touching my shoulder while you're down at my ankle. You do that by a softening into in the physical body. It's, it's that literal. In Aikido, when uh, a martial art that's a blending of energy rather than a fighting back or retreating. In Aikido, when the attack comes, it's seen as energy and you blend with it by becoming one with it. If, you're, if, you're, if your arm is tight as you grab the other person's arm, it never works. But if, you're, if your arm is, is relaxed and you just soften into, you suddenly have access to their whole nervous system. And it's, you toss them across the room. And being tossed that way by a master is an incredible thing. I, I was once tossed by the, probably the most uh, preeminent Aikido master in the U.S., and only one time did he ever deem me worthy of being worked with. And it was literally as though all of my energy, and I struck at him very hard, I, my energy had suddenly become a river that he was part of. And I was, I was aware, very conscious of this happening. It's like, okay, I'm doing this, this river of energy. And then suddenly I'm floating on this cloud and landing on this cloud. And nobody did anything to me. I never objected to it. I never thought to fight back. Because I was just in this river being swept along. It was, why would I want to affect it? Because it was so harmonious. We, in the same way, can be with our breath. For many of you on this retreat, you will have moments of those. Some of you, a lot of moments of those, you know. If you are receptive to that possibility, it increases the likelihood that that will happen to you. There's attitudes of mind that we, we don't want to be sitting around thinking about it or trying to do things when we're concentrating. But you can know at the beginning of your sit that, oh, patience. So maybe at this particular sit you go, I'm going to be more patient with myself. Or compassion. Well, I can reflect back and I've not been very compassionate. I'm going to be more compassionate as I do this practice. 
or I'm, I'm going to, I, I need a little more determination. I'm sort of drifting through this. So there's a certain determination, what I term persistence, uh, as, as uh, that you just sort of say at the beginning, yes, I, I wish for more determination. I wish for more uh, compassion. You don't have to remember it over and over again, but you bring that as to part of your intention that moment to moment I intend to be compassionate. Moment to moment I intend to be determined. So that you're, you're, you're bringing in, because uh, out of purpose, you're bringing in these qualities due to your purpose of being with. Judging mind, you'll hear me say this tomorrow morning, judging mind, comparing mind, and fixing mind are all conceptual. When your mind starts judging, you've now removed yourself from the experience and you're going, how am I doing with the experience? That's different than discernment. Discernment says I'm with the breath or not with the breath. Judging goes, good job, bad job. Discernment can know this was skillful. Judging goes, isn't that great? (laughs) So stay with the discernment, avoid the judging. Comparing can compare to what you did the last sit the day before. You can compare to what you imagine the person next to you is experiencing, which you can pretty much assume you're wrong about what you imagine they are experiencing. And fixing is this idea where you start to do something to the experience. You start to push and pull at the experience rather than just be with how the experience feels. Being with the breath feels like this. Don't have to fix it. Don't push and pull at it. It may not be as you would like, but it's like this right now. It's this the momentary, as soon as you meet it, as soon as you know, okay, this is the inhale. To not fix that experience, just be with it. Now, here's an interesting thing. You'd go, concentration. What is the most helpful thing? What is the proximate cause of concentration? Oh, it must be that determination. Oh, it must be that compassion. It's happiness. Happiness. How do you like that as an assignment? We assign you to be happy. (laughs) Happiness creates a, a wellness, a sense of ease in the mind that allows for concentration to flourish. The happiness can come about out of gratitude. The happiness can come about out of this aspiration. The happiness can come about because of the breath itself. When you stay with the breath in this immediacy, as I'm pointing to tonight, there arises a feeling that is described like in the Anapanasati Sutta as the beautiful breath, or sometimes translated as the joyful breath. It just feels good. There's a mmm to it. It can be very subtle, or it can be pretty strong. This really feels good. Let's relax. It's, oh. it's just really good. And just for a moment here, I want us to all pause and I want you to see if you can find any sense of that in your breath in this moment. So for me, I notice if I, if I feel the breath in the nostrils at this moment on the inhale, it feels really good. I notice on the exhale that my chest has a kind of warm feeling to it, and that's a little pleasant. I notice that I'm feeling present in this moment, 
and it feels good to feel present. And that's a kind of happiness, this feeling good at being present, just through the breath. What are you noticing? And let that go. When we are practicing concentration, we're practicing concentration as best I am able. That can be a mantra to start with. I will concentrate during this sit as best I am able. To try to do more than you're able is to go back into conceptual mind. It's so easy to do. You have this expectation of yourself. You're removing yourself from your experience. Work with the person who's here now. There's not another you available right now. This is the only one you can work with. Such kindness towards that person that's present. Still determined, but kind. Relaxed attention, softening into. It can help... uh, to uh, cultivate beginner's mind. It can help to think of the breath as the gift of life. That if I did not have this breath, I would be dead. It can help to uh, 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 reflect for a moment that this breath is the clearest sign that I'm embodied in this, this realm where I get to feel things. I get to know the taste of that food I like. I get to know the sweet smell of the spring flowers that I'm embodied in this realm, I'm alive in this realm, I'm not this uh, non-embodied knowing, I'm, I'm this uh, many dimensions of knowing, and this is all signaled through the breath. Oh, so I'm alive. Oh, this is aliveness. This breath is aliveness. Just suggestions to help. Sometimes it can help to think of that we're all breathing one air, and we're exchanging this air, and it's like we're all on one life support system, you know? And there's this, we're all supporting it together. Or to, to, to reflect on the mystery, to feel the mystery of the breath. Inevitably, you're going to have scattered mind, you're going to have fatigue, you're going to have strong emotion, you're going to have past memories, restlessness, you're going to have the inner critic show up, All of this is part of concentration practice. We're not going off and examining it. We're staying mindful of the breath. But we welcome these visitors. And then we let them go. As we cease to object to their coming, and we let them stay in the background, and we bring back to the foreground this awareness of the breath, then they'll go away on their own eventually. Sally, earlier today, uh, in the, uh, was talking about background and foreground. It's very important to learn how to bring breath to the foreground. Or at other times, it's not possible to have it in the foreground, so you have to have the body in the foreground or whatever is possible. But you, that you know foreground and background, that you're, you're able to dance with your experience of breath. It's not this rigid thing, oh, got to be a little more flexible today. More like this. Oh, it's, it's come and go right now. Oh, now I have more of a sense of myself. So, just this inhale. Just this exhale. Might go on 10 minutes that way. And then back again. Or not. 
This is this felt sense. This is what I'm doing during this part of the talk. I'm evoking, as best I am able, the felt sense in you. We never know what the next moment is going to be like in terms of concentration. One yogi that um, uh, some of you actually know um, uh, was had been on a was on a three month retreat and was really not one moment's concentration. I mean, it was just like being knocked around every which way. And this had gone on for weeks. And it's that and uh, this person was commenting to themselves, "This has been a total waste of time. I shouldn't have done this." La da 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 da. But they were still practicing, and they were trying to develop concentration. This person. And nowhere, nowhere. And then the the worst sit for the whole day for them in terms of concentration was the sit after lunch because they always fell asleep. So this person trudges back into the hall, sits down, fully expecting to just go to sleep. I mean, there was no more resistance left because they had been defeated so many times. So they sit down. And of course, since they're no longer fighting it, they have relaxed attention. Bang! straight into uh, a, a deep concentration state. Out of nowhere, no build-up, no anything. Not just like, oh, I can feel the waves now, I'll cultivate it. None of that, just poof, there they are in it. You never know. That can happen to you with a little bit of concentration or a medium amount of concentration or a lot of concentration. You are just being available. You're cultivating the conditions which make it propitious for concentration to arise. It will arise as much or as little as it arises. Sitting about three quarters of the way back on the end uh, cushion there, and one of the retreats with the Venerable Sumedho, in the morning sit, the early morning sit, he does uh, periodic reflections throughout the early morning sit. So it's not like silence and you can get really concentrated. So I'm sitting there and he's doing this and I'm with my breath, but mostly I'm with this gratitude. I'm just, I'm just really appreciating his teachings and I'm just, I'm just filled with that. I wasn't aware of it, but of course what I was doing was creating the happiness. That's the proximate cause of concentration. Out of nowhere, I felt my mind settling and settling and settling. Just and it stayed that way for hours, out of nowhere. So we don't know. We don't know. Being very open about this, just available. Another distinction I would have you notice, because it may help some of you. This helps me. It may not help you, but it may. I am aware of the difference between breath and the body when I'm feeling the breath in the body as a whole, And it may be just feeling it through the nostrils or the chest or the belly, but it's definitely a big body experience of breath. It's the body knowing the breath. So that there's a sense of body breath. Body, the breath in the body, I term it. But there's other times when my mind gets a little quieter and things are more steady, that really the sense of body starts to sort of go away. And I call that the breath in the breath. So I'm feeling the breath so there's, it's either breath as movement, pressure, tingling, uh, uh, vibration, all of those different ways of knowing the breath. But there's not really much of a sense of body left. But I'm not necessarily thinking I'm all that concentrated, but that's how I'm accessing it. 
And if I, if I notice that and I stay with it, then I go into concentration more easily than if I sort of jump back. So noticing what your experience is, and if it feels harmonious, if it feels spacious, then staying with it, the, what, the way it's arising. So often we do fail to recognize when we are concentrated, as I mentioned earlier. So it becomes important to know how we know that we're concentrated. You can notice it because there's a steadiness to your knowing. You don't feel very concentrated at all in terms of the breath, but you're actually pretty steady in terms of, of that you're noticing whether you're with the breath or not. So you're not even realizing that that's concentration, but that's concentration. You've got a steadiness of mind. Your mind is steadily knowing. And as you notice that, that will then bring you to being with the breath more. Or you can notice it as how much are you collecting? Oh, well, I'm, I'm able to constantly collect. For you to constantly collect from the mind to start over to, and then to go to that moment of unifying with, that's a certain degree of concentration. When the mind has a certain quiet, it may be moving around, but there's this quietness underneath it. That's a, a sign of there's some concentration forming somewhere. When there is a fullness of contact with the breath, that fullness can be a sign of concentration. As I mentioned earlier, this intensity of the feeling of the breath can be a sign of concentration. You may be very sensitive, so you're there and you're thinking you're not very concentrated, but then this unexpected sound happens in the hall and uh, you are surprised at the way it just moves through you like this big wave. That was a sign of how concentrated you were. Any kind of sensitivity, that's, you use that and be reinforced by it. And that there is a, a degree of relaxed attention. You know, I am really relaxing my attention like he said the other night. Oh, yeah. If you're relaxing attention, you're more collected. It's collected so you can relax it. If it's all over the place, it's hard to relax it. You've collected enough so that it's relaxed. You're moving towards concentration. Well, this last few minutes, I've just been there with the breath. You're unified. Give yourself acknowledgement of this. Know you know. This softening into, when you suddenly like, oh, there's a whole uh, multi-dimensional universe called breath. That's a sign that you're more uh, collected and unified, that you're more concentrated. And so we end up just through this being available, just coming back. We, we end up in this, um, looking for my piece of paper, uh, we end up in this, uh, this state of being more qualified, being more, being more and more able to be with the breath. We, we, it's not like we've made some great accomplishment because that gets us, that creates the duality all over again. No, it's that we, we like going through an initiation, we, we presented ourselves to be initiated into concentration. We let ourselves be led by experience. We were available to experience. And when we do this, some wonderful things happen at times. To uh, quote my teacher's teacher, Ajahn Chah, who was a great forest meditation teacher of the last century, 
Your mind will become still in any surrounding, like a clear forest pool. Your mind will become still like a clear forest pool. That's the concentration. That's this effect of concentration. Your mind will become still in any surroundings like a clear forest pool. All kinds of wonderful animals will come to drink at the pool. And you will clearly see the nature of all things. You will see many strange and wonderful things come and go. But you will be still. This is the happiness of the Buddha. It is for this happiness, the happiness of the Buddha, that we cultivate concentration. Let's sit for a moment. Just this beautiful breath. And this one. Smile at this breath. Physically smile. It is your gift of life. Thank you for your kind attention and it's time for walking practice now and we'll see you back in here at nine o'clock. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.